0: and you can get an extra three months free expressvpn.com slash slash film. Hello, everyone. and Welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, September 28th, 2021. On today's episode, we are going to do a mini water cooler and talk about what we've been up to. My name is Ben Pearson. I am a senior writer at slashfilm.com. And I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film senior writer and weekend editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. All right, Brad, let's jump right into it. What have you been doing recently?
1: Oh, just enjoying the increasingly exhausting pandemic. It's fun. Mm. (laughs) Um, Indeed. But uh, no, uh, on more, I guess, enjoyable things, um, I'm relaunching uh, the podcast that I co-host with my friend Ben, uh, which is called Go Flix Yourself. Uh, I've I've mentioned it on here before. It's been quite a while since it's been mentioned because we kind of went on hiatus because even though everybody else was doing... Uh, more podcasts and stuff during the pandemic, uh, me and Ben kind of just got sidetracked. And this is not Ben, uh, you, Ben. This is my other friend, Ben, <laughs> uh, just to make that clear.
0: Yes, and, but you guys have like a radio show together too, right?
1: We do. We uh, that, that has been going on. That, that's something that came up uh, a few months ago that we've been doing um, infrequently because of a scheduling issue. But for the most part, it's been every other week so that's still going on and now we're kind of getting our podcast back in order because uh while we were on hiatus we actually had this issue pop up with our former network provider where the domain um went offline for a little bit and so we lost our itunes profile But, but then but then he was also trying to get out of the podcast network game so we had to get all of our episodes from him and uh then figure out how we were going to set up our podcast from there so now we're in the process of getting our archive set back up. Um, we have access to our podcast account for iTunes, so we can get that organized again. But we did start recording some new episodes. Uh, one's already out there. Another one is coming very shortly. So uh, check out GoFlix yourself. We're doing it through Anchor, so you can find it on Spotify and a bunch of other uh, podcast apps that go through. Anchor, and it will soon be available on iTunes again with our full episode roster backlog back in order uh, as soon as possible. So feel free to check that out. It is a much more nonsensical movie podcast full of weird tangents and Bullshit and uh, just general tomfoolery. Uh, and it's just us screwing around with some of our friends who also enjoy movies. And uh, we have a lot of fun
0: doing it. So That is very cool. Uh, Brad, I, I doubt very seriously that you know this because I just figured this out. Uh, I think it was yesterday. But I counted ahead and the 1000th episode of Slash Film Daily is going to happen in approximately two weeks. That's oh, pretty insane. Hopefully, uh,
1: hopefully we can get the whole gang back together and do something for that since it's yeah. been kind of crazy since the site relaunched.
0: Yeah, that would be really cool. So I don't know if you guys out there, you know, we, like I said, we have like a little bit, a little bit more than two weeks until that happens. So if you have any ideas for us or anything like that, if you want to do the work for us and coming up with something fun that you'd like to hear, uh, hit us up, Peter at slash com, and, and uh, let us know. But um, all right, let's get into what we've been reading. Brad, what have you been reading lately? Um, I read Kevin
1: Smith's Secret Stash, The Definitive Visual History, Uh, and this is a cool uh, coffee table book that came out a little while ago, and it's all about Kevin Smith, as you might have guessed. Uh, It chronicles his uh, rise in filmmaking, uh, goes through each one of his movies, dives into a lot of his side hustles, like writing comic books, the creation of his smodcast empire, um, comic book men, uh, and his more recent film exploits as well. It is uh, really is a definitive like history of his career, and it it really is like a, a just a personal oral history because it's Kevin Smith talking through all of his careers, ups and downs, the finer points. Um, if you're the kind of Kevin Smith fan who has listened to his entertaining film commentaries before, you'll have heard a lot of these stories. Um, same as if you've listened to any of his. One man show performances where he tells showbiz stories, or any of his many podcasts with Jason Mewes and his other cohorts. Um, But there's a lot of new stuff here too. And for me, as a uh, a longtime Kevin Smith fan who hasn't listened to a lot more of his recent stuff, it was uh, a fun like trip down uh, nostalgia lane. Just like digging back into these movies, uh, remembering why I fell in love with uh, you know all of his View Askew connected films. And, uh, it was just, it offers just some candid, you know, fascinating insight and uh, a little bit more, uh, hindsight, you know, on his career and how certain decisions were made and just, uh, you know, things that maybe he, uh, regrets or has reflected on, you know, um, as his career has continued. So it's, uh, if you're a Kevin Smith fan, it's uh, definitely a must read. It's full of a lot of cool archive photos from the set. He even includes, um, a lot of like physical things that are cool to sort through. Like he has his, this, uh, student profile that he had to fill out when he went to Vancouver Film School. And just reading through the answers to the questions in on this like three or four page uh, form that he filled out, you really get a sense of uh, his style of writing, just how personable he was and how uh, witty and uh, edgy he was in approaching just, you know, the simplest, most mundane form about uh, what he wanted to do at Vancouver <laughs> Film School. And uh, there's just cool uh, other little bonus things that are uh, featured inside the pages of of the book as well, so it's it's a very cool read.
0: All right, so that is Kevin Smith's Secret Stash: The Definitive Visual History. Do you know if is that like on sale now, or is it coming out soon? Or yeah,
1: it's already it's already on sale, so you can pick it up and it'll be sent to you, you know, as fast as Amazon can get it to you. <laughs> All
0: right, so let's transition into what we've been watching. Uh, I have three things that I wanted to mention. The first is a new movie that comes out this Friday in uh, limited uh, release. It is called Old Henry. Uh, Brad, have you ever heard of this movie? Do you know what this is about by any chance? No, I've heard of O. Henry the Candy Bar. <laughs> well, this is not an adaptation of The Candy Bar, I, I uh, regret to inform you. It is a Western that stars Tim Blake Nelson, who you probably recognize from his work in O oh Brother Where Art Thou and The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Um, I think this is his second Western, I think. Uh, Buster Scruggs came out a few years ago, and he was, like the, I guess, the title character in that um, movie but that was like an anthology film that the cohen brothers put together so he was only in really one small part of that film and he is on full display like the you know that he's in the in the uh in the spotlight in old henry uh he plays basically a widowed farmer who lives in this isolated ranch out in the middle of the west with his teenage son and the son is very much like uh wants to get out and and see the world and like learn how to shoot a gun and like you know do all of the the typical sort of western hero kind of things but the dad uh this tim blake nelson character is is very um stoic and like does not want the kid involved in any of that life any danger whatsoever and it's because you slowly realize over the course of the movie that he has a, a sort of um Checkered past, you know, riddled with violence and and these uh, these events that, that took place, um, you know, back in the day. And basically, what happens in the in the early part of the movie is that uh, he and his son stumble across this injured guy who's carrying a uh, like a backpack full of cash. Um, and so they they initially <laughs> are about to just like leave this guy, but he's about to die. So they they feel bad and they try to nurse him back to health, and then uh whoever he was involved with the the gang crew members or whatever that um that uh are linked to that money come after him um and and so it turns into sort of like a a siege movie almost and tim blake nelson is excellent in this movie he's you know very much a supporting actor in almost all of his work he's sort of best known as a character actor but he is, uh, like I said, sort of front and center here, and um, he does a great job in this movie. It's like I think I saw somebody compare this to Unforgiven, the, the Clint Eastwood western, and that movie, like that film, won Best Picture. And Old Henry is is certainly not going to win Best Picture. It's a very small movie, but it's the kind of movie that, um, especially if you're a fan of westerns. Uh, I think is the is the kind of film that that a lot of people will really like especially like yeah like I mentioned like big big genre fans Um, but but the comparison to Unforgiven is not completely uh, unwarranted because of the the sort of similarities that are shared between the two characters obviously Unforgiven is like Clint Eastwood has a whole um, history, you know, cinematic history and mythos of, of himself that he's like interrogating in that movie. And Tim Blake Nelson does not have that same exact background. So they are different projects, um, uh, in, in many ways, but just surface level, there's some similarities there. So if you liked, um, Unforgiven, I would recommend checking out old Henry. It's, um, it's a really, really good watch. So check that out. Uh, I also rewatched or am, am in the process of rewatching happy endings, which, uh, is a great three season comedy show that was on, what was that on Brad? Uh, abc back in the day do you remember yes uh, that is correct yeah so i feel like you watched or rewatched happy endings like a year ago did i am i completely making that up you are making that up i definitely okay. did. yeah I, w-
1: I would like to <laughs> but i have haven't done it yet
0: okay all right yeah i love it when i make stuff up um yeah happy endings is great i mean it the it's weird watching a show that came out in 2011 2012 through a 2021 lens because comedy probably more so than any other genre is one of those things that, uh, that ages very rapidly in terms of like what is culturally acceptable um, to, to sort of joke about. And there are some moments uh, in, in the early goings of happy endings where you're where you're sort of like a, uh, I don't know, raise an eyebrow a little bit of like, oh, I don't think you could pr- probably get away with that one today. Um, but the heart of the show is really pure, I think. And the the performances, that, that ensemble that led that show is just uh, so great together. So um, it's a lot of fun. It's if you're looking for like a, a light, easy, breezy kind of watch, you know, at the end of the day or something, if you've only got half an hour to kill, uh, Happy Endings, you, you could do much, much worse. So Happy Endings is streaming on Netflix, right? Uh, right now by the way and then i also watched this film on turner classic movies called east side west side from 1949 it has a great cast barbara Stanwyck, james mason van heflin and ava gardner are the leads in it and the uh, imdb synopsis says a vain businessman puts strains on his happy marriage to a rich beautiful socialite by allowing himself to be seduced by a former girlfriend Um, the Wikipedia entry for this movie calls it a melodramatic crime film, which I think is a pretty good description of, uh, of what happens here. Um, the performances are really the, the sort of standout thing, uh, in the the standout element of this movie for me. Um, it's, it's very much about like this guy who is a, uh, like a, a cad who is just addicted to, um. you know, philandering and and things of that sort. So uh, it's about the the push and pull that he has this relationship with his wife and then this other uh, couple sort of enters the mix uh, later on and and there's a murder at one point and people have to figure out, you know, who is responsible for this. So it's all these things that I really uh, enjoy with a a really great cast sort of anchoring the whole thing. So that's called East Side, West Side. I'm not sure if it's streaming anywhere at the moment, but um, I would say it's worth watching if you get the chance to check it out. So Brad, what have you been watching recently? Um, I mean,
1: not not all of this is recent. Just because it's been a while since I've done a mini water cooler, so I kind of plucked a few things that I've been done with for uh, a little bit now. Um, but one of the more recent things I did watch was uh, Star Wars Visions, uh, which is the new anime anthology series that's available on Disney Plus um, with a, an assembly of anime shorts inspired by the Star Wars universe. Uh, they're they're non canon stories. They're completely. Uh, Original, but they use elements of uh, the entire Star Wars mythology to tell something new with uh, the style of anime and a a variety of different animation styles from anime, too. And speaking as somebody who honestly does not enjoy anime very much, including the aesthetic of uh, traditional anime, uh, I was very surprised to find myself uh, enjoying the hell out of this series. And I think it's just because there's something that's very cool about applying some of anime's tropes to the star wars universe and bringing them to life in that way uh, because i didn't find myself as quite as annoyed as uh, with some of the uh visual choices in fact there's a lot of shots in throughout these shorts that are absolutely gorgeous and, and stunning um I, i'm i'm of the mind that i feel like i just haven't necessarily stumbled upon like the right kind of anime. I have heard from several people who are big fans of anime anime, and who know me that uh, there are certain stories that I I would like. Um, so my experience is fairly limited just because what I've seen hasn't impressed me very much. And so maybe at some point I will start to broaden my horizons if I ever find the time. But uh, I will say that Star Wars Visions is uh, just very cool. The variety of stories on display here is exciting the way you just things like lightsabers and the force and uh, just seeing it. Star Wars action in full-blown, insane anime style is is very cool. Um, and even some of the more lighter, cutesy stories I found myself really enjoying, especially uh, Tatooine Rhapsody, one is called. And it follows this uh, rock band who gets chased by Boba Fett because one of their members is wanted by Jabba the Hutt. And uh, it's kind of like a Scott Pilgrim-style story hmm. um, told just told in the Star Wars universe. And it's a, it's a lot of fun. So uh, yeah, if you're if you're like me, you don't really like anime. I actually wrote a whole thing about this. Uh, give Star Wars Visions a chance. There's a lot of good stuff in there, and it's just something that's really cool to uh to spend your time on. Especially since each of the shorts are only anywhere between like 12 to 16 minutes long, so it won't take much time to get through them.
0: It kind of reminds me of the Animatrix. Do you, are, were you familiar with that back in the? In the I was. I was.
1: Out? Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. It it is kind of like that, but I feel like um. I don't know. Maybe the, I think the stories are a little more varied, but it does. Okay. But since they do also, you know, do a lot of a variety of animation styles, there is that similarity too.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we're always like every Star Wars fan seems like, uh, you know, wants to to explore different corners of the universe and and um, sort of not just the the big like tentpole stories. And I feel like that story about the band on the run sounds like the perfect kind of like small scale star Wars thing. That just sounds really cool to be able to drop that into a star Wars context. So I might have to give this a shot, but uh, all right. What else have you been watching, Brad? Uh, I also got around
1: to watching Pete Holmes, HBO series crashing. Uh, this was something that I started watching when it was on. And for whatever reason, I think it's because I moved and I might have, uh, like lost my DVR recordings or something Mm. that like I fell behind and never caught back up when it continued. And, uh, it's just kind of been sitting in my, my queue for a while, uh, since I've been wanting to finish it. And I finally did. And, uh, this show is so good. I wish I got to stick around more because, uh, no show has better, um, dug into the scene of standup comedy than this show has. There, there have been tons of shows Starring comedians, where they basically play a version of themselves and they are also stand up comics. But the show is never really about their stand up career. It somewhat inspires it, but it's usually more about their personal life and like different family things. This is very much focused on Pete Holmes, a version of him anyway, and kind of adapting his own life and his rise in stand up comedy. Uh, And it covers everything from just the struggle of getting on stage and open mics to, to bombing and just how much of. Um, a gamut there is to run when you're just trying to get up on stage as much as you can and uh, take advantage of opportunities. And uh, what's fun about it, and this is where it kind of diverges from Pete Holmes' own story, uh, is that he's, um, he's kind of hopping around different people's uh, comedians' houses because he gets divorced from, from his wife. He doesn't really have a place to, to live at first. And so he's crashing. Uh, with all of these uh, comedians that you know like Sarah, Sarah Silverman and Artie Lang uh, and and people like that and it's just uh, if you're a stand-up comedy fan it's so much fun to watch because it's full of so many comedians uh, that you'll recognize uh, some famous some less famous but if you're a comedy nerd like I am you'll you'll love it and Pete Holmes is great in the show you know he he's playing himself but it does require him to do some, some real acting. And he's very charming, uh, very awkward, and super, super funny. So if you haven't watched Crashing, it's on HBO Max, all three seasons. Uh, unfortunately, it ended before they wanted it to. But the ending of the third season does feel like it could be a series finale. So it does have that going for it. So you won't feel completely you know disappointed
0: in, in the ending. Cool. All right. So that's Crashing. What else have you been watching? Uh, I also watched the
1: second season of Dave. Uh, If you don't know, Dave is a series on FX that um, kind of similar to Crashing is the the story of rapper Lil Dicky, who is uh, perceived mostly as a comedic rapper. But he also is like a legit hip-hop personality. And the series is about his um, struggle to kind of be taken seriously as a rapper and uh, navigating through the music industry. It, has, um, it very much has an entourage feel, but without the overbearing douchebagginess of it all. Um, Dave uh, Dave Bird, who is a little dicky as a character, is somebody who's very confident without being, um, I guess, like overbearingly cocky about it even though he does have shortcomings because of how much he wants to be taken seriously as a rapper but the story is just it carries so much more weight with it because of the characters that surround him uh these are people who are like um are both inspired by those in his life and then his uh hype man uh this guy named gata is somebody who actually is his real hype man uh and seeing the story play out is just it's very interesting because it does veer very close to uh, his real life, albeit with some exaggerations here and there, much in the same way that Crashing did with Pete Holmes' life. Um, and the second season gets a little bit darker, a little bit weirder, because he's trying to put together his first full album, and he's gotten a little bit more famous. So there's uh, a lot of trials and tribulations for him to overcome with that. But um, it's, it's such a smart show. It's very edgy. Uh, the writing is great. The soundtrack is awesome. Um, and so uh, I would give it a chance, if you're not familiar with Little Dickie, Maybe listen to some of his music first, so you can get a vibe for who he is. Um, but uh, definitely give the show a chance. It's it's extremely good, um, and I feel like it's it's flown under the, under the radar a little bit. So so check it out.
0: So I've not heard any of his music. Brad, is it? Um, and like you mentioned, I, I the only thing that I really know about this show is that it's it's sort of a comedy. Is the is the music that he does comedic? Is it is it uh you know a Lonely Island style comedy slash rap, or does he take the rap super seriously?
1: He takes the rap super seriously, but the lyrics can be very funny, but they're not intentionally goofy and they're not based on comedic premises like the Lonely Island songs are. Okay. So he's very much taking the rap seriously, but he just, he, he writes very funny uh, lyrics within these songs too.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, cool. All right. So that's Dave season two. That's on, what'd you say? Hulu? It's, is it's, that right? Yeah. So it, uh, it airs on
1: FFX, but FXX, but it is available on Hulu.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, what else?
1: What else have I been watching? Oh, um, I w- we watched Love on the Spectrum uh, season two. My girlfriend and I fell in love with the first season of the show. Uh, I'm pretty sure I talked about it on an old episode of The Water Cooler after the first mm-hmm. season came out. And it's this uh, reality dating series from Australia. Don't let that put you off, though, because it's unlike any other reality dating series out there because it follows people who are on the autism spectrum in Australia, and them trying to uh, make a connection, uh, a love connection with people. Uh, And so you really get this uh, wonderful perspective of just uh, what life is like for them, because there's this, you know, stigma of people on the autism spectrum, uh, being disabled. And that's not necessarily the case. Autism is such a a broad spectrum, um, that it's hard to pinpoint uh, when you know, you might encounter somebody who has autism and things like that. And so it often, uh, they're often lumped into a category of not necessarily being what people would call quote unquote normal. But when you watch the show, you are able to see just like how close their lives, you know, uh, skew to those who aren't on the, on the spectrum as far as how they approach dating. And they're just, um, it's just hard for them to understand and address the social cues that come with dating uh, and interacting with people because their their brain simply doesn't operate the same pe- as people who aren't on the spectrum so not only is it just wonderful to watch because it's such an uplifting show and seeing uh you know how much love that these people have to give and how much they they just want to find somebody who understands them uh you know whether they're on the spectrum or not is uh, just something that is really heartwarming and it's uh, informative as well is just uh, lovely to watch. So uh, both seasons are available on Netflix now, and it really is just a, a delightful show to watch. Nothing like the the traditional reality dating show trash that is available uh, <laughs> everywhere else.
0: Okay, so that's Love on the Spectrum season two, and then you've been you've been uh, rewatching a couple things.
1: I did. I rewatched Hot Rod. Um, we just talked about Lonely Island, so that's uh, kind of appropriate. And this movie is just uh, just so good. And like, uh, I hate so much that. The movies that the Lonely Island crew have made, that's Andy Sandberg, Akiva Schaefer, and Yorma uh, Ticoni, have been so poorly received at the box office because all of their movies are like some of the funniest movies that have been made in the 21st century. They are laugh out loud hilarious, they are sorely underappreciated by general audiences. Uh, many of them have gone on to find, you know, cult audiences after bombing at the box office. Um, this may be one of the the larger ones. It was their first one, and it was still when they weren't necessarily like as big as they would eventually become. So the interest not being there is understanding. But this show, uh, this movie rather, is just uh, absurdly funny, and uh, I I can't get get enough of it. There are so many moments in this movie that are nonsensical and always make me laugh. It's Andy Samberg and Danny McBride and Bill Hader and Yorma Taconi just just having a blast and doing the most ridiculous things to get those laughs. Um, So if you've somehow not seen Hot Rod, if you haven't heard of it, uh, I can't recommend enough going out of your way to to watch it because it is it is worth your time to say the least.
0: I watched it in like 2009 and could not tell you a single thing that happened in it. I just like completely ben. forgot about it. I need to rewatch it. I don't know. Ben, I don't know you,
1: you seriously have to rewatch it. It is <laughs> especially now. I think like knowing some of the things that you like, you know, comedically, I think that you will really enjoy it, and it might become uh, a favorite of yours.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I definitely like barely knew who Andy Samberg was. I mean, I think I probably best knew him from the uh, like the what's it called the, the Chronicles of Narnia sketch, the um, Lazy, uh, Sunday. Lazy Sunday sketch from SNL. Like, the, I I had very little um, I guess relationship with Andy Samberg. Uh, at that point in my life. And now I've seen him in a ton of things and, and really, you know, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine and et cetera, et cetera. And I, I love him as an actor. So um, yeah, I, de- I definitely am due for a rewatch for Hot Rock for sure. So uh, what else have you been rewatching, Brad? Uh,
1: unfortunately, I also rewatched Coyote Ugly.
0: Um, <laughs> I, so I skipped this one. I, I've never seen it. Uh, it sounds like I should keep it that way.
1: Yeah. I mean, when I was, so when I was a teen, I was drawn into the theater by the allure of, uh, you know, hot girls dancing on a bar as as <laughs> As many were, and um, in my age group at the time, um, and even then, I recognized that the movie wasn't all that great, um, even even purely for its sex appeal. Um, <laughs> and now it's just it's just even worse. It is it is not good. It just it doesn't make any sense to me because like the there's for some reason this bar called Coyote Ugly is such a big hit in New York. People people love it. People are, are like are going in droves into this bar. Um, but like the bar is bad. Like the only fun thing that's going on is every now and then the bartenders hop up on the bar and they dance to something like the devil went down to Georgia or something like that. Um, (laughs) and, and and there's, so it's, it's actresses, you know, who are are attractive for sure, but like they also do terrible things to the patrons. Like, uh, if someone orders a water, they spray them with the water hose or like they have (laughs) traditional things they do where they end up like cutting up someone's shirt Um, or, and then, then, like, they do the thing where they light the bar on fire, but so many bad things happen in this bar. I don't know why you would ever want to go back with it. It is a very poorly run establishment, and I don't know how it makes any money.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love this take. Oh, my God.
1: uh, Having said that, it was fun uh, to, like, see some faces that I had completely forgotten, Uh, We're in this movie, including uh, Caitlin Olsen from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia in one of her earliest acting roles, playing a bit part um, as a middle aged woman who is bidding on this hot dude who's being auctioned off at the bar. Uh, and then also, you can spot uh, producer Michael Bay in the bar as a pho- <laughs> as a as a photographer who's taking pictures of the girls as they're dancing on the bar. Could, because of course, that's Michael Bay's role in the
0: movie. <laughs> wow, wow.
1: Yeah. So, Coyote Ugly. Uh, just don't worry about it. It's like it's not worth revisiting. Uh, it was bad then. It's 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 bad now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, and then uh, it sounds like you're coming to the end of a, a long project that you've been working on.
1: I am. So it's we took a, kind of kind of a break for a while because we watched some other things that were short like uh, crashing and and dave that had a little bit more of a, a finite time for us to watch them uh, but it's taken me a while to get through every season of friends this is uh, ten seasons comprised of two hundred thirty-five episodes. Granted, it's short sitcom at length episodes, so twenty-two minutes per episode, pretty much. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I've honestly enjoyed the show. I understand why it was such a big deal at the time and uh, why it's one of the most popular, you know, uh, sitcoms of all time. But I will say, as it gets towards the end, it's clearly starting to lose uh its luster a little bit. Um, a little too many clip shows. Uh, certain comedic premises are just too unbelievable and starting to veer into lazy sitcom. Uh, That's just ridiculous territory. It's it's kind of the same problem that I had uh, with How I Met Your Mother, which I felt like started off strong and didn't lean too hard into traditional sitcom tropes. But then as it got towards the end, started just getting way too silly uh, and just didn't have the same uh, authentic feel that the first few seasons did. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I... I've started to become a little less uh, enraptured by it, but I still really enjoy Matthew Perry and Lisa Kudrow and um, Matt LeBlanc. Those are um, Joey and Phoebe and Chandler are my three favorite characters. Uh, And they, they still keep it funny, even when it's, you know, certainly over the top. Um, But like, for example, like one of the episodes uh, I just watched not too long ago is one where, uh, so Chandler has to move to Tulsa for his job for a year And so Monica goes to visit him on a whim one time at his hotel. um, And he's just about ready to watch uh, an adult movie in his hotel. And they clearly make it look like he's about to to masturbate. And, And so she walks in, but he's quickly changed the channel. And it's like some kind of shark documentary. And for some reason, Monica doesn't think, oh, he changed the channel from porn. It's that he's aroused by sharks. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. This like he, this character is not that stupid, and this premise is bad. I just looked at my girlfriend. I was like, come on, are they really doing this? Um, but the the one thing I will say I have enjoyed is uh, because it feels like because they maybe knew they were getting towards the end. I'm, I'm currently in the ninth season that they really started ramping up, uh, getting a lot bigger guest stars. Uh, so because I've seen uh, Brad Pitt now, I've seen Alec Baldwin, both both hilarious in their appearances. But the one that I've been waiting for that I'm finally um, enjoying and I didn't realize he was going to be such a big part in this last run of the show is Paul Rudd, uh, which is awesome because he plays Phoebe's new uh, love interest and he lasts longer than any of the ones before. And uh, of course, I love Paul Rudd. So it's just nice to have him as a regular addition to the cast. So that's that's helped to keep things uh, going strong for me there.
0: Yeah, if you're a fan of Friends and you have not heard Paul Rudd tell the story about how he was there on like the last day of filming for the show, uh, seek out that story because it is incredibly entertaining. I want to say that he told it on on a Conan appearance or something like that, but um, (laughs) I don't think that I've heard that yet because since I didn't watch
1: Friends, I don't think I like paid any attention to that. So once I'm done with the show, I'll have to go watch that. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Uh, All right. So what have you been eating, Brad? Uh, plenty of things, but I picked just a few, you know, little items that I want to talk about. Uh, one of the things that I will mention because I feel like it's going to disappear very quickly because I've noticed it's pretty popular is this new seasonal snack at Target called Scarecrow Crunch. And even mentioning on here, I don't want to, because I feel like it's just going to make it harder for me to get, but it is, uh, just so good that I want to tell people just to bring a little bit of joy to their lives. Um, it's this new trail mix that they brought out for Halloween and inside of it, um, is some puppy chow, which is the chocolate peanut butter uh, covered chex mix with powdered sugar on it. Love
0: um, that stuff.
1: Yeah, so good. Um, regular peanuts because it's trail mix. Uh, these little peanut butter candies that are like Reese's Pieces, but they're Reese's Pieces, Reese's Pieces, and they're shaped like little pumpkins. Uh, has milk chocolate covered marshmallow bits, tiny ones. Um, and white chocolate oat cereal, along with the, the milk chocolate uh, chocolate peanut butter covered ones. It is. Wow. Yeah, it's just a, a handful of deliciousness. Um, oh, and also like little generic M&Ms as well. Um, but yeah, this is awesome. I absolutely love it. The uh, it has it's not overwhelmed by peanuts like a lot of trail mixes, which really helps. Uh, so if you're around Target, go to their seasonal section. Look for all of the uh, the Favorite Day branded stuff, and look for Scarecrow Crunch because it's it's awesome. And they have a bunch of other uh, seasonal snacks uh, from the Favorite Day brand as well that are fall themed, all various pumpkin spice and. Uh, apple cinnamon apple cider kind of stuff too.
0: Man, you're speaking my language here because I I typically stay away from trail mix because of the the peanut ratio. I'm not like a, a huge fan of peanuts, but it sounds like they got more sweet than salty in there, and that's my that's my bag right there. Yeah, so. I'd, I'd, yeah,
1: I'd recommend speaking it out. At, at, and that's at Target.
0: Okay. All right. What else?
1: Um, I don't know
0: if these are still
1: available. So if they're not, I'm sorry, but they're they I like them so much. That I'm just going to mention them. But uh, so Cinnabon, which is normally famous for cinnamon rolls, uh, released these Cinnabon cookies, which are chocolate chip cookies on the outside. But inside, it's layered like a cinnamon roll. And it's kind of arresting to your senses because you bite into a chocolate chip cookie on the outside but the inside it's uh flaky and has cinnamon layers inside of it so it's a little bit jarring to get used to but the taste is is surprisingly good the way the cinnamon mixes with the chocolate and it's kind of crispy and soft at the same time um and it's even better if you have uh the cinnabon frosting to to dip it in for that for a little bit of an extra kick so uh check cinnabon if they have them i recommend trying them out they are a little bit pricey i want to say that they were like uh, three or $4 per cookie, but it, um, they're, Ooh. they're, they're a pretty decent sized cookie. So, um, and I guess, you know, the, the craftsmanship it takes to put a cinnamon roll inside of a cookie <laughs> is just, it, it costs a little bit more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> Get what you pay for. <laughs> um, what have you been drinking, Brad?
1: Uh, several new, uh, a couple fall flavor, the- um, themed flavors. And then also something that I just found randomly, actually, uh, I'll start with the fall stuff. Uh, Aldi, which I have mentioned on here several times, and I keep loving them because they just have a lot of unique, uh, things as far as drinks and, and snacks and frozen foods. Uh, right now they have sparkling apple cider. It, this seems to be going quickly because it is seasonal and I, a lot of the stuff that is under their, Aldi favorite, uh, finds banner doesn't last very long in stores. People know to seek it out and get it as soon as it comes out. Uh, it's just, uh delicious and it's not like just like sparkling apple juice like Martinelli's or something like that it actually tastes like sparkling apple cider it has a little bit of a spice to it and it's different from just regular sparkling apple juice so if you're an apple cider fan Um, And you just want, you know, a little bit of a kick to it. The sparkling apple cider from Aldi is is awesome. I absolutely love it. Very cool. Uh, Mountain Dew also has a new flavor. It's called Thrashed Apple. This one might be a little bit hard for some people to get a hold of, uh, depending on your location, because it is a Kroger exclusive. Uh, Kroger is a chain of grocery stores here in the, the Midwest, but they also have a bunch of other chains around the country that they own. So go look online and see... Uh, which stores Kroger's owns and see if any of them are near you. Um, Stores like Smith's and uh, King Supers are among those chains. And so if you can, go try and find this. I've noticed that this is also going very quickly because it is uh, exclusive and uh, seems to be seasonal. However, Mountain Dew did confirm not long after it came out that this will be a permanent addition to the Mountain Dew lineup, but it will still only be exclusive to Kroger's and their other store brands. So... Uh, this is very good. It tastes, um, a lot of people say it tastes like a sour apple Jolly Rancher. Um, I don't think that the sour flavor is quite there, but it does have that green apple taste to it. Um, it's very crisp because the way it mixes with with Mountain Dew. And I've also been mixing it with Honeycrisp apple cider, which has been uh, a fantastic uh, mix for uh, ap- with, with apple cider and then Mountain Dew.
0: Wow. Okay. Uh, And then there's a fruit punch as well, right?
1: Yeah. This is something I didn't even hear about, and I just don't know if it hasn't been officially announced or if they're just not uh, making a big deal out of it. But uh, Crush, you know, who makes the delicious orange and and grape and strawberry sodas and whatnot, they have a new sparkling fruit punch. And at first, I didn't think it was new, even though it has like the they recently changed their their branding as far as how their labels look and stuff like that. And this has the new label design and I went to go look online to see if it was something that had been around for a while, but I could only find like one listing of a two liter at some random online grocery (laughs) site. And then somebody on YouTube who posted like a couple weeks ago saying, "Hey, I've never seen this before, uh, but I found it at a gas station," and that's basically what happened to me. So I found this randomly at a gas station and tried it, uh, and it's it's awesome. Um, it doesn't taste like Hawaiian punch, but it tastes like you know how when you go to like somebody's uh, like a party and someone has a punch bowl and they've mixed just various fruit juices with Sprite mm, in a punch bowl. Yes, this, yes, this is like that. Um it's it's a little more sparkling than than like pure fruit juicy but the flavor is is really good um. I, I like it better than the Hawaiian punch flavor uh, because it does taste more like that party fruit punch bowl. So uh, if you can find this, I don't know how easy, like if it's readily popping up at a lot of places or what, but crushed Sparkling Fruit Punch is out there and it's really good.
0: <laughs> Brad, I love the image of you just like scouring YouTube. Like what the hell was <laughs> it that I just drank? Where can I get this thing? It's just <laughs> a really funny image to me. That's great. I love it. Uh, all right. So what have, what have you been playing? You've also been playing something... Uh, in a galaxy far, far away, right?
1: I did. Uh, I wrote about this for Slash from a little while back. Um, uh, last year during the pandemic, I was able to try out Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge, which was uh, a new VR video game experience available on Oculus devices. And they came out with a sequel this year, which is actually the, the end of the franchise. Uh, it's called Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge Last Call. It continues the adventure from the first game with a new quest that you're on. Uh, there's a little bit more integration as far as the the characters and elements from the Galaxy's Edge theme park expansion at Disney theme parks. Uh, it it brings in Doc Ondar, who owns the the um, Den of Antiquities at Galaxy's Edge, the guy who has uh, a souvenir shop where you can buy a bunch of stuff, uh, and he sends you on a quest to track down this artifact. And then there's also uh, a few new tales that you can, uh, or a couple new tales rather that you can embark on. What's cool about this version is the first time out, they made it so that you had to complete certain tasks um, and kind of like go out on adventure in order to play uh, the Jedi tale that accompanied it. But uh, they kind of like listened to fans and heard that they wanted to be able to get into the tales easier and sooner without having to go through uh, most of the game. And so they made the tales a lot easier to access. So uh, you can get into the Jedi tale really quickly. And then there's also another one where you get to play as IG-88 uh, which is the droid bounty hunter that you see briefly in Empire Strikes Back. And it's of the same uh, ilk as IG-11, the character from the Mandalorian series. And that tale is really fun because it makes you feel like you're essentially a Terminator uh, bounty hunter droid. The, the targeting systems are really intuitive and fun and, to the point where like you almost feel a little overpowered just because of how skilled IG-88 is as a bounty hunter, but Mm -hmm. it's a blast to play through. Uh, and the continued adventure is enjoyable. There's a lot of new elements, especially when you get to, uh, encounter a first order facility, uh, that's hidden on Batuu and, uh, lots of new weapons and gear vary up the gameplay to make it a little more exciting and, uh, fix some of the shortcomings the first time, uh, the, the, the first chapter was released. So, uh, if you haven't, you gotten it yet and you have an oculus i'd recommend giving it a shot because for star wars fans it's uh, it's a lot of fun and it's a very immersive experience
0: very cool all right uh i think that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode of slash film daily i will try to remember to put Links to uh, Brad's write-ups uh, in the show notes for this episode. So you can check out slashfilm.com for some more of the stuff that we talked about. I think I'm going to have an interview, an interview with Tim Blake Nelson coming up for Old Henry. So seek out that movie if you have a chance.
1: If you like and- uh, my junk food nonsense and whatnot, please check out my Instagram feed. It's called Brad's Junk. Uh, you can find it at look at Brad's Junk on Instagram. Lots of other uh, soft drinks, snacks, collectibles, whatnot, all, all yes. over there.
0: Indeed. Indeed. All right. SlashFilm Film Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all of the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, mailbag topics, and 1000th episode suggestions to us at peter at slash film.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you all for listening. We will talk to you tomorrow.